Thanks for staying with us here on RPR, Real Presence Live. Uh, it's been a great, great, great morning. Uh, I had some fantastic conversations. I'm uh, Brad Gray. And I'm Janine Bitson, yeah. and we have more fantastic conversations yep. coming. Uh, we are just so blessed. We're going to be joined by Father Bob Schreiner from the Diocese of Crookston, and he just has an incredible to- story to yes. share with our audience. Yeah, so. I, and for, for those of you, I mean, most of our listeners are probably familiar with Father Bob, uh, but certainly if you went to the Fargo uh, Real Presence Radio Banquet, you're absolutely familiar with Father Schreiner. He was the MC, and it was just hysterical. So, Father, thank you so much for being on with us uh, again this morning. You're most welcome, and I'm, I'm so very grateful to be able to tell the story of Sister Anella as I've come to know it. Yeah, so well, why don't you launch into it? Tell us a little bit about who Sister was. Well, Sister Nella was uh, uh, a girl who was born in Moorhead, Minnesota, which is in my diocese, the Diocese of Crookston, uh, to Hubert and uh, Emma Zerfus. Hubert, her dad, was uh, a meat market guy. And, of course, Emma was full-time mom uh, to um, Sister Nella and her siblings. And Sister Nella was born in uh, Moorhead uh, on Palm Sunday uh, of 1900. And so it was April 7th then, but it was Palm Sunday and was baptized Easter Sunday that April of 1900. And uh, eventually then, at the age of 15, went and joined the Benedictine Sisters down at St. Joseph, Minnesota, at the Benedictine Monastery there, and uh, and then served for about four and a half or five years uh, from, I think it's 1919 um, to 1924. She served as organist and music director at St. Mary's in Bismarck, and then uh, her illness got extraordinarily uh, difficult, and so came back to Moorhead to live with her parents, where her mother took care of her until her death, which was on the vigil of the Assumption, uh, April 14th, at, well, April 14th at 3.15 a.m., she hmm. died in her parents' home on the vigil of the Assumption, which was her prayer, because she had professed... Uh, as a nun uh, at the monastery on the 15th of August in uh, 1915. Hmm. And so as she was dying, she had prayed that she would die on the vigil, or she would die on the assumption which she died on the vigil, as was her wish, um, and to bring it all to conclusion. And um, so she was an, ex- uh, an extraordinary uh, witness to Christ's faithfulness and suffering. And her first uh, official biographer uh, from St. John's Call to the Apostle of Suffering. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that sounds phenomenal. So what what year was it that she passed away then? Uh, 1926. 1926. August 14th, 1926. Young woman. Young woman then. Well, interestingly, um, so she died in 1926 at the age of 26. And though I don't, I haven't verified this myself, but I, I want to believe it, that I was told that if she is canonized, um, she would be the 26th Benedictine on the official uh, registry of canon of saints. No kidding. Yep. Wow. So she would be the 26th Benedictine. Yep. That's awesome. I, I that would I'd give her a certain sort of uh, solidarity there because I was born on the 10th day of the 10th month at 10 minutes after 10. So she's got the 26s. <laughs> I've got the 10s. Wow. I'm telling you, when you, yeah, well, when you run the numbers and dates and significance of all that, which is, of course, not at all surprising in, in church history and hagiography, right. but it's astonishing when you look at Sister Nella's biography how 
dates and feast mm-hmm. days and numbers are all very telling. And the Lord has always done that, right? I mean, you see that yep, very much always. in the scriptures. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, absolutely. yeah, in the scriptures throughout uh, both old and new yeah. and how they are united in those dates. and Nothing uh, is wasted to God, for sure. Yeah, there's no such thing as coincidence with God. <laughs> That's exactly. absolutely right. So tell us a little bit about uh, Sister's um, you know, devotion to the Lord. What makes her kind of unique beyond the aspect of, of the suffering that she endured? Uh, what, how do we, what, what do we glean from Sister's uh, example? So everyone who's given testimony who knew her, and of course uh, we, we have two semi-official, if not official, biographies. One was written, or at least published in 31, the other one in 57. And beyond that, we have access to a whole bunch of letters and testimonies and so on. Um, that from her toddlership, uh, Sister Anella was uh, absolutely selfless um, and always interested in the other. I mean, just could not ever call attention to herself, even if she was as a toddler mm. and not the kind of pain and suffering she was to later have. But if she had any want, any need, any... Uh, suffering, she wouldn't call attention to it very often, and, and the parents had to learn very quickly to watch for her, because if if she had a boo-boo or an owie, she wouldn't tell them. I mean, it, it, she was selfless, and she was hmm. always looking out for others. Her devotion from, again, toddler, um, uh, I, the story is she was too, um, I suspect this is probably true, but I don't know child development if this is possible, but certainly when she was a toddler, the family crucifix in the living room was an absolute fascination to her from the moment she could crawl up on anything. Hmm. And at the point in which she could uh, talk and reach the crucifix, her mother kind of didn't scold her because uh, Emma was extraordinarily devout herself, uh, her mother. Um, but but instructors like, honey, you need to be really be careful because that's a very precious thing, the crucifix. And so uh, uh, Anella, or Emma, or Anna wanted to know what this was, and so her mom said, well, that's, you know, the crucifix of Jesus, and he died for our sins so that we could be saved and go to heaven. And her response was, well, then, he's a dandy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, from the preparation of her first communion and through her time at St. Joseph's School in Moorhead, uh, and then she she would walk across the river over to Fargo to Sacred Heart Academy at the time, Hmm. which, of course, is a connection for me, because my mother went to Sacred Heart Academy as well. Not at the same time as Sister Nella, but shortly after. Hmm. Um, but she would walk across the river, go early enough. She could get a ride if, you know, if somebody wanted... I mean, there were rides available to get her to Sacred Heart Academy. Um, but she would go early enough to go to Mass at St. Mary's Cathedral, hmm. sit on the, the choir steps, have her breakfast, and then walk to school. And Nobody knew this for years while she was doing this, and the rector of the cathedral, once he learned it, said, I, I would have been happy to give her a hot breakfast, and she said to her mother, I'm glad he never knew so I could offer that sacrifice. Wow. Wow. That is extraordinary. I mean, you know, we've got a three-year-old, and she's just wonderful. Um, but this is a little outside of her wheelhouse. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's extraordinary. No, yeah. it's extraordinary. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, part of that process of sainthood, you know, to show that holiness and how they live their life, uh, that um, 
It's just really incredible. So how has Sister Anella continued to influence the lives of Catholics in our area? Well, those that know about her in our area, of course, um, are a scattered group, and um, I appreciate the opportunity for for your time in the airwaves to to continue to spread her message, and I'm certainly doing what I can to do so. Um, But it's a loosely associated group. I know there are lots of other folks out there that I, I haven't met. I mean, there's... There's somebody from St. Cloud who's taken her words and put them to song, and so he's on YouTube. And hmm. and I, I so I know of people just very scattered, and I yearn for the day in which we can probably be called together and uh, and, and and move forward with all of this. But but it but it's important, I think, in large part because she is the apostle of suffering, hmm. and and not only that, but she's an apostle of suffering, no matter what degree. And of course, her suffering. When you read it, it is, I mean, I, I dare anyone in our listenership, and, and I know that there are lots of people suffering, and I know that their suffering can be excruciating and painful, but second to our Lord, what Sister Anella went through just physically, hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, and yes, I, I mean, yes, they're out there, but it's extraordinary. It's just extraordinary, and, I'm, and I wish that people would read it for themselves, because for me to recount it over the radio, um, could could threaten people's breakfasts, frankly, oh, because right. it is so awful for physical. But additionally, and I think uh, those of us that are, are part of the revolution of faith, you know, from John Paul and Benedict and Francis on, to bring faith back to the public square, mm-hmm. we need to know how the devil works. Yes. And Sister Anella fought the devil at the end of her life. The Lord allowed her to be uh, in confrontation with him, and for her to hold her faith in the midst of both physical suffering and spiritual warfare, to a degree that few of us ever encounter, she absolutely is an educator, a witness, and an apostle that all of us need to learn from. So on, on that point, Father, not to be a sensationalist, but to, like, when you say that she, she fought the devil, uh, like, what... Would you share some about like what we can learn from that? What did she do? What did she encounter? How did she respond? Um, you know, because that's something that every one of us is we have we have a, a an obligation to fight the devil um, in our own particular ways. Uh, what can we learn from Sister in that respect? Well, um, absolute resignation to the will of God and trust that He was always in her hands. Mm. I mean, one of the extraordinary things when you read this twofold suffering, both her physical and spiritual uh, embattlement, she never ceased to repeat and pray, Lord, give me more suffering, but only with your help can I endure it. Mm. And so even when she was, you know, screaming in pain, I mean, take it to eternity documents, um, as well as some other sources, that her physical suffering and torments were so excruciating that people in the block you know, within a block and a half or two blocks of their home, would hear her screaming out in pain. Hmm. And and yet, out of that, she would still say, um, you know, Lord, give me more suffering, but only with your, your help can I endure it. Hmm. And so she never lost hope, she never lost faith, and she certainly maintained her love, because when her dad would rush into the room or her mother would rush into the room, or one of her two sisters who were Benedictine nuns, or any of the other sisters who would rush into the room to try to provide her aid, Sister Nella would look to them and say, don't worry about me, how are you doing? I mean, unbelievable. Just absolute surrender into the arms of God, 
um, in every given moment of anguish and torment. It was it was unbelievable. Well, no, forgive me. Utterly believable and utterly inspirational. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And and what a incredible lesson as we continue to talk about uh, Sister Anella on the other side of the break. We can really put ourselves into this Holy Week and yes. and tie her suffering to the suffering of our Lord Jesus and all of us who go through our personal sufferings. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, but we'll be right back with Father Bob Schreiner from the Diocese of Crookston to talk more about this faith-filled, wonderful holy saint that is in our church. We'll be right back on Real Presence Radio. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Janine Bitson. And I'm Brad Gray. And we're having a wonderful conversation with Father Bob Schreiner from the Diocese of Crookston. We're talking about a very holy woman who was born right here in Moorhead in the yep. Diocese of Crookston uh, in the Fargo-Moorhead area and her process of uh, sainthood. And there are many articles. Uh, I actually you know, found an article from the St. Cloud Diocese that talks about um, her life and her her um, suffering that she went through, and Father Bob is helping us to grow deeper and learn more about her. Uh, but even think about 
just a student at St. Joseph's School in Moorhead. How special right. is yeah. that? You know, we're all saints in the making, but we we need recognized saints to help us lead holy lives, right, Father Bob? Absolutely, to be able to go to with the certainty of the Church's own faith and appeal to them, uh, absolutely. And I think there's something powerful about having uh, this opportunity right now here in Holy Week to talk about her witness, because we're we're entering, you know, we had... Passion Sunday, also called Palm Sunday yesterday, where we had the first account of the, the Passion of the Lord uh, from St. Luke's Gospel. Then we'll have St. John's account on Good Friday. Uh, but this is a week that really focuses on the depth of love, the depths of love to which God went uh, so that we can be with Him. And uh, I mean, you kind of see that echoed in many ways in the life of Sister Anella, right? In fact, can I add to that just a little bit? Like, even as we're talking about Sister Anella today, uh, it's the feast of of St. Gemma Mm. uh, Gogani. And and think about what she said. She she said, if you really want to love Jesus, learn to suffer, because suffering teaches you to love. Mm. Mm. Uh, Wow, that's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Right. So, so Father, um, I guess a couple questions. So, how did you first learn about Sister Anella, and and what do you, how do you, what would you point to in terms of uh, right now we're entering into this holiest of weeks, and and how we can use her witness as, um, I don't know, as, as spiritual, um, uh, d- just a dynamism of of draw- entering into the the sacrifice of Christ this week. Well, uh, so my connection. Uh, you know, God will always take more than one swing at you if you're stupid the first time, and I was <laughs> stupid the first time. Um, so when I was in the diocesan office, uh, heading up the Office of New Evangelization, I had a woman on my staff by the name of Amanda Zerfus. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Spelled differently. But somebody anonymously had dropped off at the reception desk a little trifold, you know, poorly mimeographed little biography of Sister Anella Zerfus, and a perk card, and, you know, said, get this to Father Bob and his staff. So it was brought to me, I read it, and it's like, mm, have never heard of her. Oh, she was in Moorhead. Oh, okay. And then because of the name Zerfus, though spelled differently, I handed it off to Amanda saying, you know, take a look into this and see what, you know, it is our office should do about this, if anything, and whatever. And so we did look into it, and it was interesting, but we processed it from the vantage point of what can our office do, and at that point and whatever, uh, nothing. So that was really it, and then a couple of years ago, through God's, what a friend of mine calls God's dot-to-dot, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, mm-hmm. said, there are people gathering at the grotto at the shrine, uh, at the grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes, uh, at the monastery at St. Joseph, St. Benedict's Monastery, praying for Sister Anella's cause, uh, and you need to go. I said, mm-hmm. well, why do I need to go? Well, you just need to go. I said, well, Okay. So I arranged to go, and so then I met a group of people, and on that, it was her the anniversary of her um, death. I think it was actually Sunday, August 14th. Mm. A couple of years ago, we were just coming out of the pandemic, so I think it was August 14th, 2020. Mm. And, uh, and so then I got in contact with folks that are very deeply involved um, with Sister Nala's cause, and then through, and through, and, and there are a lot of priests who know the story, who supported the story, but well, I'm I'm the one who's, you know, it's like, okay, I'm happy to be associated with it, and I, no problem. And so we started praying up here. I've got a little group that prays uh, 
the 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 anniversary of every year, well, not every year, but from May through October, we get together for Our Lady of Fatima and remind ourselves of the story of Fatima and so on. And so last year, we added then the cause of Sushmela and started telling her story. And so locally, um, that's growing. It already existed. I'm I'm not the in the founder of a, a devotion to Sister Love here at all. I come to it lately because I was stupid the first time and somehow it took the second time. So, and I'm happy to be, I mean, whatever I can do, I've told our new bishop, it's like, this is a passion of mine. And, um, I, you know, with your support, I'll, I'll continue to do what I can do. And so um, I'm happy to be on uh, the airwaves today to, to do what I can. And what's interesting to me also, having read some more documents just last week, in fact, that, um, that are not in the public domain, but um, saints were, in, were interested in Sister's story. So, for example... I read that uh, Hubert, her uh, sister Nell's father, desperate in, in 1924 or 25, 24, I guess 24, wrote to then Brother André Bessette, hmm. who, who was manning uh, the, the front door of the St. Joseph Oratory in Montreal, mm-hmm. and said, I would like to bring my daughter to you and to the, to the Oratory to pray for St. Joseph's intercession if you think... That's what I should do. And Brother uh, Andre writes back and says, no, your daughter is um, anointed, not the word anointed, what's the word I'm trying to remember? Your daughter is appointed, I think is the word that I read, is appointed for suffering for the good of the Church. Wow. And of course, Brother Andre Bissette becomes Saint Andre Bissette, the great uh, promoter of the devotion to St. Joseph, the home parish of Sister Nella. Hmm. So we have that saintly connection. And then the author, James Krejcik of Ticket for Eternity, the more expansive of the biographies, writes to Sister Anella's um, blood sister, who is a Benedictine sister in the same convent she was, Sister DePazzi, writes to her in the early 50s, I think, and says, Dorothy Day was on campus today, and I gave her the story of uh, Sister Anella, and she came back to me saying, clearly this is a saint of the Church. Tell me more. Hmm. And now, of course, Dorothy Day is a fellow servant of God. Her cause for canonization is underway, um, you know, uh, through New York. And and so we have these saintly connections. Saint Andrew said, servant of God, Dorothy Day, all learning of her story. And, you know, in time, Brother Andre, while she was still living, Dorothy Day after she's dead, of course, but um, even even the saintly ones, and, and we appeal here specifically to St. Andre, saw her destiny for the Church. Uh-huh. And so I, I think I think we need to take that uh, up and, and, and give it back to the Church for recognition as, as we can. And right now it's about prayer, just to pray, pray, pray for her intercession, for us to be able to document miracles, which are going on. Um, as recently as in the last five years, I'm aware of three medically documented miracles through her intercession and her intercession alone. So wow. it's happening, and um, those of us that are interested are are compiling everything we can to be able to to muster up uh, this this process. 
it, it is just so important. There just needs to be that grassroots. That's uh, a big way that it happens, that God has it happen. And that's how these holy lives lead more people to Christ, too, mm-hmm. is even right. in these processes of beatification, of canonization, um, is just a real special thing it can be frustrating i mean we're still we're kind of frustrated with <laughs> blessed columba marmion not being canonized yet but i i remind my father-in-law it's in god's time he has the perfect timing and uh, i know there's many miracles just like sister anella has so many miracles surrounding i'm reading the saint cloud times article as well i mean it's just really powerful hmm. that yeah. uh, this no, is there were, from from the moment of her death after she was buried, the gravesite has been site. We're told of hundreds yeah. of, 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 of miracles, and and subsequently, and and like I said, those are still going on. I mean, the, the church requires miracles documented and provable uh, that cannot be explained otherwise. I, I, we have those in spades. I mean, we've got those in spades. But you, as you point out, so somebody early on, back in the '30s, uh, commented to the first biographer, "It's like be patient." The process for the cause of saints is so tedious that sometimes it causes its own saints and patients. Right. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's for a purpose. I mean, that's sure. not to be cynical, but it is to say it is a, a laborious and an intensive and necessarily labyrinthine sort of process so that the Church can have confidence that these names we call upon in fact, are in the beatific vision and can intercede for us. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Right, and and it is. It's a. It's an incredible process. It's an important process, uh, but it doesn't. Um, it, it should not prevent us from praying for their intercession, because it's no different than asking a friend to pray for us here on earth. These are our special friends in heaven. Yeah. And and these stories, I mean, and I look at, and she touched so many around the world. I mean, even the story of the gentleman in the iron, one of the iron crib babies in Romania, um, how he talks about how she played a role in his first three years of life. I mean, this is like a touching around the world, people. Yeah, her story has been told in, in dozens of languages across the world, and, and miracles reported from all of those languages, I right. suspect. Father, uh, this is, I mean, I've never heard of her before. I've been totally struck this morning during our conversation. Uh, we only have about 30 seconds left, but what do you encourage people to do that have been similarly moved? Well, uh, pray her intercession with confidence, not because she's a saint, but because we want heaven to be able to show us that she's a saint. Right. Uh, and so just ask for her intercession humbly uh, and place it at the feet of our Blessed Mother uh, and, and, and always end it with a Hail Mary so that uh, we recognize the authority of heaven over the story of Sister Nell and her intercession. Hmm. Beautiful. Amen. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us this morning, Father, and thank you for sharing with us this awesome, awesome story of Sister Anella Zerfus. Praise God. Happy Holy Week. And happy Holy Week to you, too. All right. We got to take a quick quick break, but uh, we'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 